0: and uh, turn to, uh, I'm going to be doing several scripture readings this morning uh, from Colossians chapter 3 and uh, Acts 1, 2, 3, and 4. I'm, I'm doing a series called The Ultimate the Ultimate Human Right. Now, rights, and I mentioned this last week, are, are principles of freedom and entitlement that are moral in nature but can be protected by laws as well. And we hear a lot about human rights, personal rights, issues of of social justice, uh, you know, rights of clean water, adequate food, decent housing, quality education, no discrimination based upon race. We just see all of those rights. We even have a document in our own, you know, in our own country that we call the Bill of Rights that, that talks about freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of religion, freedom to assemble. But out of all the rights given to man and granted by man, they're kind of moral in nature, these freedoms and entitlements. I believe that there is one that supersedes and is supreme of all other rights, and that is to know Jesus and make him known. To know Jesus and to make him known around the world. The Gospel of John says, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So, this series is to remind you about the importance on a personal level of sharing your faith and telling others the wonderful story of Jesus. Now, I hope that you don't go, oh man, I, you know, I I can't wait till we get to another series. I just feel condemnation. I hope you don't, I hope you don't feel that because, listen, we've got the greatest message ever, ever told. He calls it good news, and we we get to be the bearers of of good news around the world. So in the series, and we're going to work our way through some of these things here, we want to remind you as your call as believers to tell others about Jesus. We want to equip you with practical tools to make you more confident in sharing your faith. Sometimes there's just a little confidence issue there. We want to rely on the Holy Spirit for boldness wisdom and empower you to live a biblically consistent life. We want to inspire you with creative ideas for acts of kindness and servanthood. We want to prepare you to be a witness in your workplace or your neighborhood. We want to provide outreach opportunities for you to be more involved in your community. So that's some of the goals that we're kind of working through in this series. Now, there are all kinds of reasons that you know, that people don't feel comfortable, you know, sharing uh, sharing their faith. You know, I, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know where to start. I don't know a lot about the Bible. What if somebody asks me a question and I don't know? My life is not perfect. Who am I to tell someone, uh, you know, about the Lord? Uh, you know, like... Uh, Uh, What's my, there you go. I simply, for whatever reason, don't have a burden for it. It's just not clicking with me. I'm shy. I'm introverted. But can I remind you that an imperfect witness is better than nothing at all. Imperfect is better than nothing at all. When Jesus uh, was with the disciples and they had the thousands gathered together and they took bread and he did the miracle, remember the fishes and the loaves, and he took bread. He prayed over it, and he distributed it to the disciples, okay? It was their responsibility to get the bread out. He did the miracle and then empowered the, the, uh, the, uh, the disciples to give out the bread and it's and and what would happen if they have just kind of kept the bread to themselves. So there's a responsibility. We work hand in hand with our Lord as he, he puts it in our hands and we are to distribute it. Now, last week we started talking about a couple of things, and I want I want to keep going down the list. Last week we talked about the importance of just being a friend. Just be a friend to people. And you'll never know how God may take that you know, that relationship and and use that relationship in a great way. We also talked about praying for friends and family, the importance of intercessory prayer, the importance of calling names before God to, for God to save and uh, that their hearts would be open. We talked about that. I also, last week, I talked to people who, and, and I mentioned it a minute ago, who simply said I just don't have a burden for whatever reason. I just shared a story at the end of, of when I walked through a season like that, that I didn't really have this passion for the lost. So all of that It was on our website, it's on YouTube, iTunes, Facebook, all of that. You can catch it if you didn't didn't get a chance. So this week, got two two things I want to cover with you. So first part was just be a friend and let's pray passionately. Let's do intercessory prayer. Today, the first part is view your workplace or your school as your mission field. View your workplace or school as your mission field. Why would I mention your, why would I mention your workplace? Well, it's one of our biggest opportunities that we have to influence and tell others about Jesus. We're usually there about 40 hours a week, all right? And we have, we, we run across people with different backgrounds, different religious backgrounds, just different, you know, all together, okay? Now, this is not original with me, but it's very true. You may be the only Bible that some people ever read, okay? Some people are not coming to church. Christmas, Easter, it doesn't matter. They're they're not going to darken the door of a church. So you're the only Bible. You're the only light. The Apostle Paul says you are a letter known and read of all men. Christ has done something in your life, and people will You know, people will look to that. So, when we talk about your workplace, I want you to look at your workplace uh, as a church and you're the pastor. Now, some of you have always wanted to be a pastor, right? It's kind of been your secret, you know, secret, uh, you know, vocation. I've always wanted to be a pastor. So, I want you to look at your workplace like a pastor would look at the church, okay? So if you work in an office, a warehouse, a plant, you kind of work with all the the same people. Okay. Congratulations, Reverend, that's your church. Okay. All right. Or, you know, you're in sales and you kind of move from place to place and you kind of see the same customers. Okay. That's your church. If you're a student, you look at those in the lunchroom that sit by themselves, those that people make fun of because if Jesus was in your schools, it would he, those are the people he would go seek out. And then you find like 10, 12 more people, your friends, your close, your teachers. Congratulations student, that's your church. That's your church. Or, you know, maybe you work retail and you have a certain amount of employees that you work with, but you have regular customers as well. That's your church. Or maybe you work remotely and you're online and on Zoom with the same kind of people. That's your church. So I want you to view this, your workplace, like a pastor would view the church. Now, I want to talk to you about the dynamic of that as well. All right, so first of all, we're, we're, viewing, we're viewing our workplace as a pastor would the church, so let, let, let's talk about this. First of all, do a good job. Do a good job at work. If you live a good life, and you do a good job and you're a solid employee, then eventually there will be opportunities for you that will surface because of your intentional investment in your workplace. If you're not a good coworker, if you don't do a good job, okay? You better do a good job, let me just say that, all right? If you don't, if you come heavy kind of with the gospel, but your your work suffers, then people will, will resent it. They won't receive what you have because you've done your job poorly. Don't be the person that when you turn in your notice, people wanna throw a party for you. Okay? Don't be that person, all right? So do a good job. Be on time. Be at your workplace at the time you're supposed to be there. You're not supposed to be at Duncan at 9. You're supposed to be at your desk at 9. Don't bring your boss a coffee to kind of bribe him off. Be on time, all right? Do your work with excellence. There are deadlines and formats and objectives and goals. Make sure that everything we're doing, we're doing with excellence. Colossians 3 says the sullen servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being a follower of Jesus does not cover up bad work. Well, we're under grace. Not at work, you're not. Not at work. Have a great attitude. Be upbeat, positive, infectious. Be be someone that brings something to the table that that your boss would, would miss if you were not there. Don't be a work gossip. Don't be a work gossip. Everybody said amen. All right? So I have a word from the Lord for you on that. Hush and just do your job. Just hush. Just hush. We've got all kinds of things going. People talking about different things. Just, you know, you just stay out of that. You just, you just stay out of that, okay? Uh, don't get involved in workplace drama. Don't do it. You may go, well, I, you know, I don't have a lot going on in my life, so I can just, you know, get involved here. Let me just remind you something. Let me, let, me, let me just remind you something. You have a higher purpose than to be involved in that kind of stuff. Listen, if you view your workplace like a pastor views the church, you can't afford to get involved with that because you've got a higher purpose and a higher call on, on, your, on your workplace. Don't be the one that complains about your boss or your company. Be openly supportive of your boss. You're not the one that's always negative, always down, always talking. You're the one that's upbeat, okay? You're the one that's upbeat. Never steal, cut corners, or take advantage of the company financially. So we, we're, just do, we're not doing that. We're going to do a good job. And if we do some of those things right, and i got a few more then there will be the opportunity somewhere to make an impact and tell the story of Jesus. But that's foundational. If you do a terrible job, it doesn't matter what you do, you won't have any credibility with your workplace, okay? So here, here's something else. Reviewing our workplace as a pastor would the church. Celebrate when good things happen, okay? Intentionally, promotions, raises, birthdays, new babies, new homes, marriages. When, when someone has something good, you just celebrate with them. You buy them a baby gift. You go to a wedding. You send a meal to their house. You celebrate. You be there in the good times to, to brag on them and to affirm them, okay? Celebrate when good things happen. Watch for areas to minister when tough times come, when there are layoffs, and divorce, and sickness, and death, and there's life troubles at your work. You're there. You're watching over your people like a pastor would the church. And when there are people that are down, man, you're running to them, and you're planting a seed. And it, and and you can ask these questions, hey, I, or you can just say, listen, hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. I'm so sorry. Can I help you? in any way. Can I do anything for you? It shows sensitivity and kindness and compassion when, when people are hurting, reviewing your workplace as a pastor would the church. Look for opportunities to join Bible studies or to start one. Maybe you're partnering with other believers that are already there. Maybe you can come early or maybe there's a break room or after work or whatever, we're, we're, we're trying to be a godly influence there. Or, or you can use version. There's all kinds of Bible studies and you can do it remote, and you can invite, you know, you can invite others to be uh, to be a part of that. But look for opportunities to join or start Bible studies. Pray regularly over your co-worker or your students. Pray regularly. We talked about it last week. If you're in person or uh, there, there's a card in in front of you, Amen. I want you to grab it. Put your coworkers on that particular list. We talked about the importance of prayer, you know, and evangelism. That 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 prayer is emotional and it's powerful and it's continual. And take that card. Put your coworkers on there. Who are you praying for? And be regular praying for that. And I promise you, that prayer is going to help some things happen to you on the job, okay? And I I just think when you do all of those things, all right, all of those things, if you view your workplace as a pastor does the church, then the door that you are praying about at some point will be open. I talked earlier, why don't people share? I don't know what to say, I'm not sure what to say, I don't know a lot about the Bible. Well, this doesn't involve that. This just involves taking another step at the workplace, just being intentional with people that you already know. You're celebrating good things, you're doing a good job, you're there for people when they're down, you're praying over them. If there are opportunities to study and read and pray together, you know, you're doing that. So, man, this isn't anything new, any plowing new ground, it's just being more intentional where you're at, all right? Now there, I told you last week, there are three types of conversations. I'm gonna work through these in the course of this series, they're everyday conversations, that's what we talked about last week. Everyday conversations, intentional conversations about life, work, family, hobbies, kids, you know, building, maintaining new relationships, that's that's an intentional part of just being a friend. Then there's another conversation that probably will occur when you make the, the workplace kind of like your church, and that's a God conversation, where things begin to shift And especially when maybe people going are tough times, so we may answer questions, they may initiate questions about God, their circumstances that they're going through, asking for prayer, talking about the church, talking about your church, the need for God why they're away from God, if they are. This the I just think when you're intentional, eventually it will go from everyday conversations, but it will go to God conversations as we're kind of walking this past. The next is a gospel conversation that we'll talk about, we'll talk about a little later. So I wanna give you an example this morning. I want Danny Bennett to come up here. Danny, if you'll come, would you give him a hand as he comes today? Danny has a great testimony about um, about his workplace, and I want you to I want you to hear I want you to hear him. So, Danny, you and Glenda had been married about four and a half years, okay? And um, you know, you were working as a foreman in the mill. Tell us a little bit about maybe your spiritual life. You know, your journey at that at that point in your life.
1: Well, I was uh, about as lost as you could get. Uh, was running from the Everything I worked in a meal, so you can imagine it was um, hot and dusty, and a lot of cussing, a lot of drinking afterwards, winding down, and and just and virtually just in a bad place, you know. Uh, we uh, everything, you know, life. I, I grew up very poor. I, I, I kid, but people sometimes telling the poor people felt sorry for us, so. <laughs> The, uh, so we was, I, I just had grew up bad and, and just, you know, was in a bad yeah. place.
0: And you guys weren't in church?
1: No, it wasn't no. at church. You uh, probably
0: wanted to go. It's probably Glenda that kept <laughs> you back,
1: right? Uh, Glenda, you know, we, we, uh, every once in a while she would ask me about going to church, but I wasn't opposed to it. I just never, we took, never took that initiative to do anything about it.
0: Yeah. So you get a new employee at, at your, at your work. But actually, you're his boss, so the dynamic is a little different. But tell about that relationship with your new employee.
1: Well, it was kind of strange that the uh, we got a... I was on graveyard shift, which is night shift, and we got a new guard that night. And the guards, usually, they never start on the night shift. They always start them on the day shift where all the bosses, everybody's up in the front office. So everybody could train them and talk to them and... And, and doctorate them, you know, know what they got to do. But this particular time, we were short, so he started on graveyard shift with us, and which was not the precedent, not normal, never happened. So I was down in the mill, and he was up at the guard shack. And so I had to make frequent trips up there to show him what to do. Every time a semi truck would come in, I'd had to go out and help him log it in, show him what he had to do, and and. Uh, so that was a very unusual for us to be able to have to do that. And he just
0: began to uh, share his faith, talk to you about. Yeah, we was
1: we just got to talking and uh, you know communicating. Asked him you know where he was from, and uh, he was uh, from Tennessee, and he was just got down here and we was he got a job and we just got carrying on conversation. And as we carried on conversation, he would somehow it got off to church. You know that he was a Christian and then we would, different times, we would talk about stuff, and then I'd have to leave, and we'd come back, and we'd pick it back up, or the next day, pick up another conversation. And uh, we really didn't get heavy in the scripture, so a lot of times people say, well, I don't know the scriptures to to actually talk to someone. I didn't ask for a lot of scriptures, and he didn't give a lot. We just, in general, had talked about, you know, his experiences and different things. He even
0: apologized to you.
1: Yes, and he... He, he had told me that uh, he apologized for not witnessing. He said, "For I come to, to work tonight, he said, I asked the Lord to forgive me for not uh, being a better witness. He said, I felt like God wants me to, to, to witness and to tell people, and I just hadn't done that. And uh, he apologized to me for not witnessing to me. And uh, that kind of struck a chord in me. You know, so moment.
0: it's uh, one Saturday night, you're on midnight shift, you work all night. It's Sunday morning. Tell us about that day.
1: Uh, yeah, well, I, I got off Saturday, well, it was Saturday night, but I got off Sunday morning, at seven o'clock. I come home and uh, I told Glenda, I got her up and was like, well, let's get up. We're going to go to church this morning. And this is only like four days after, you know, been talking to him. and so we got up, got ready to go to church, got in the car, started driving down the road, and we was like, well, what church are we going to go to? We was already <laughs> in the car and driving, you know. So right down the road was a little Baptist church that we got saved in. I mean, not saved in. I did get saved in that morning, but we got married in. I said, well, what about us going down to the church where we got married at? So we went, went down to the church and... Uh, I I still remember what the uh, preacher was preached on that morning. He preached on uh, Zacchaeus climbing up the sycamore tree and looking out over the crowd at at Jesus. And that's kind of stuck in me that that's kind of what I was doing. I was there just taking a look. And uh, so I went to the altar and got saved that morning and stayed there about 30 minutes. And I took that long to get it all out.
0: With some people, that cleansing takes a little longer than others. So, so Danny, what what would you say to people about on their workplace, just the importance of just being a witness and sharing your story, being available to others?
1: I think it's very important because the the guy that spoke to me uh, is Jerry, Jerry Harmon, and he put himself out there, but it, it meant a lot. It changed me and put me in a different place in my life trajectory totally changed. I mean, I could have been, you know, on the five o'clock news any given night. So uh, it made a big difference in me. And it made a, not only me, but it made a big difference in everyone in the meal, Because I was the foreman over, those 13 people on yeah. our crew. And over time, I got to talk to every one of them. They, they was locked in at a workstation. They couldn't leave, so I had to go around. <laughs> so I got to talk to all of them. Uh, Three or four of them got saved while I was there, and uh, after the meal shut down and everybody moved on different directions, a lot of them got saved other places. And uh, I would go to a church somewhere, and they would be there, be in church. And uh, two of them I know know's deacons now, and I, I guess I'm the third one. But the, so it, right. it made a difference in a lot of people's lives. So it's very important to you know, when God gives you that touch to go speak to someone to go speak to someone because you could be the best opportunity that that person has at that time
0: danny thank you for sharing your story this morning (laughs) you just never know you never know my challenge view your workplace as a pastor with the church i just believe god can do some powerful things at your work. I want you to pray for me, my office, okay? I'm trying to, I work with some shady folks. I just want you to know that. I'm, I'm worried about some of them. So I'm, I'm praying, I'm trying to be a good witness and all that. So, uh, all right, so that's the first part. You know, view your workplace as a mission field. View your workplace as a pastor does, does the church. So I wanna change your perspective. You're just not there working at a desk, okay? You're there for a divine Purpose. A lot of people go, hey, I believe God gave me this job. Well, if you do, there's a reason, just besides providing for your family, there's a reason that you're there. Let's take advantage of that. All right, the next part and last part of the the message this morning is rely on the Holy Spirit for boldness, wisdom, and empower you uh, to be a witness. So I read last week the Great Commission. Go to all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, that task is impossible alone because it's spiritual in nature. We're not building things. We're not working with our hands. So that task by itself is impossible for even well-meaning People. I mean, there's spiritual warfare. There's all kinds of obstacles out there. But with the great commission, he gave a great empowerment. Okay? So he he gave us spiritual power because he's asking us to do a, a, a task that is spiritual in nature. So, Acts chapter one, he said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So anytime somebody is is given a task to do, there are always tools that they need to get it done, okay? So he does not give us a task. That he doesn't give us the tools, but he's given us the task and he's given us the tools to make an impact upon this world. Now, listen, we consider ourselves Christians, evangelicals, spirit filled. Pentecostal, whatever you want to call or a brand yourself, but I want you to know that sharing your faith and telling others about Jesus is central and foundational to those titles, okay? That's not just for the ministry. That's for everyone. So the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is to give us boldness and wisdom And to help us tell the story of Jesus in our neighborhood, the workplace, or whatever situation we may find ourselves in. There are all kinds of attributes to the Holy Spirit. But the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is to equip believers to tell the story of Jesus in a powerful way. Now we see this. At very early in the Gospels, John the Baptist, he's baptizing people and he makes a reference to Jesus. He says, I baptize with water for repentance, but after me comes one who will baptize, more powerful than I, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So John the Baptist used baptism as a way to illustrate our relationship with the Holy Spirit. So he uses the term baptize twice. He says, I baptize you with repentance. So they get the mental image of what that baptism is like. And then he says, someone is coming." coming after me, who's more powerful than I, using the same illustration. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. A few days later, Jesus comes and he's standing in the water and John the Baptist is baptizing him. And as he put him in the water, it says at that moment, the heavens opened up. And they saw the Spirit of God like a dove in the form of a dove come and sit upon Him. So this passage is used, which it should be, to encourage people to be baptized in water as Jesus was baptized in water but there's another message that we need to get out of this as well when Jesus came up out of the water the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus and that is an important statement to you and I even today, if anyone did not need the Holy Spirit, it was Jesus, if anybody didn't need it, it was Jesus but he stood there and the Holy Spirit came upon him and empowered Jesus. He empowered Jesus to do the works of God while he was here on earth. After his resurrection, he said, I'm going to send you what my father promised. Now, he's been talking about the Holy Spirit from time to time throughout His ministry here, he says, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been, look at this description, clothed with power from on high. Now, this is an unusual moment because timing is everything. Why didn't he release the disciples at that moment? They had seen Christ's crucifixion. His resurrection in a short period of time. Man, there was all kinds of talk. This would have been a prime opportunity for the disciples to be out in the city and and to be witnessing and telling others about Jesus. But this is an important, this, this is how important the relationship is with the Holy Spirit. He said, don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. Don't preach. Don't sing. Don't pray for others. Stay in the city and wait until you have been in clo- you've been clothed with power from on high. Now, they had no idea what that meant. They knew that Jesus had spoken about the Holy Spirit that was coming. But they really, would he, would he come like Jesus? Would there be angelic choirs? Would, how is this person going to emerge? So it's 50 days after the resurrection. They are gathered, everybody again, in the city of Jerusalem for the feast of the harvest, the celebration of the harvest called Pentecost. Passover was kind of religious in nature, okay? The feast of Pentecost was kind of secular. They were just celebrating the, the, the harvest that had, that had come in. Okay, so they're all gathered. Everybody's back in Jerusalem, just like the Passover for this, for this holiday. And then the Scripture says, when the day of Pentecost came, the disciples are all gathered in one place, just like Jesus said. Don't go anywhere. Go into Jerusalem and wait until you're clothed with power from on high, whatever that meant, whatever that meant. So, so they're all together again, and it says a sound like a blowing, violent wind came from heaven and filled all the house where it was sitting. So they're worshiping, they're praying, whatever they're doing, and it just sounded like this great wind that was coming. And to a Jewish person, wind was always the sign of the presence of God. In in, in Genesis 1, as the Holy Spirit, as a wind just came across creation. As the, uh, at the Red Sea, it was the wind that began to blow, the east wind that divided the Red Sea. It was the, the wind that moved the trees around, that told David, you know, when to move. So wind had always been a sign of the presence of God. So they're feeling this unusual wind and then it says and they uh, after the violent wind they saw what seemed to be cloven or, co- or tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them so it's like this big ball of fire this supernatural ball of fire that occurs and then it begins it separates and it hovers above each one of them and fire was always a symbol to the Jewish person of God's presence when 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 the the, the Israelites went through the desert. They followed the fire by night. It was the fire that consumed the, the altar at Elijah's so. This was a sign again to the Jewish people of of God's presence. So there seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest upon each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So now get this. They are indoors. They are indoors. The Holy Spirit comes and they begin to speak in this unknown language that they had not learned. It is the language, you know, while they're indoors, they experience the Holy Spirit as we see in First Corinthians 14. It is the private prayer language. Go read 1 Corinthians 14, 1 and 2. They are magnifying and they're praising God. And that's great. But the story doesn't end there because I want you to see how this ties into the entire message. So, they were, so now they were staying in Jerusalem because everyone was there. God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And they heard this sound. They were drawn to whatever was happening in that upper room. A crowd came together in bewilderment because, look at this, each one heard their own language being spoken. An unusual miracle. So they're hearing, they're hearing the, the different languages, the gospel be coming forth in the different languages. Look what they said. Utterly amazed, they ask, Aren't all of these speaking Galileans? Then how is it each of them, each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia. Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, other parts of Libya, uh, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, look what they said. So he's naming all the different nationalities. He's given, because I want you to appreciate the miracle that is here, ha- happening here. We are hearing them declaring the wonders, wonders of God in our own tongues. It was such an unusual miracle. man, they are. They're like, "How in the world do these people know the individual languages here?" And then it says, they ask one another, "What does this mean?" Some of them, however, made fun of them, said they had too much wine. This might have been quite a church service going on right here. OK? So it started indoors. With 1 Corinthians 14, the private prayer language. Then it moves outdoors and they experience the Holy Spirit that we see in 1 Corinthians 12, the giftings. the Holy Spirit the gift of miracles the gift of faith the gift of prophecy the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues these people are going we are hearing the about the wonders of God in our own native language so there was a there was a miracle there was a God was doing something powerfully in our midst but I want to remind you the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is to give boldness and wisdom and help us to tell the story of Jesus in our neighborhood, the workplace, or whatever situation we find ourselves in. So, so, man, everybody's hearing the gospel in their own native language. They are blown away by the miracle that is occurring on the day of the Holy Spirit. Now, I told you it's the primary purpose. So I want you to look at the clarity of the gospel message of what happens next. So Peter, remember Peter? The little girl said, are you a follower of Jesus? No. Hey, are you a follower? Three times, remember that? 50 days ago. So Peter, when they asked this question, what does this mean? These people, they look like they're drunk, okay? I mean, what's going? what's going on? And he says, these people are not drunk, as you suppose, because it's only 9 a.m. in the morning, okay? But this is that what was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. All right, now watch this. Look at the gospel message. The primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is to equip us clear to tell the, the story of Jesus. Look at this paragraph. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death, nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Do you see the clarity of the gospel? Pentecost and and, and the Holy Spirit coming is not an end unto itself. We love the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it's not an experience of itself. There is a primary purpose for that, and that is to equip believers to tell the story of Jesus. And he does that with great clarity, and let me say spontaneity. He didn't pull out notes, you know. The Holy Spirit is there With him, so when he gets through with this message, it says, The people heard, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Well, what do we do? What do we do with this? Peter replied, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, the Holy Spirit comes, and this Acts 2 is a beautiful picture. The, uh, indoors There's the private prayer language First Corinthians 14 1 and 2 They step outside and, and there's this unusual gifting This miraculous gifting Where everyone is declaring the wonders of God In a language that they do not know That is First Corinthians chapter 12 But the primary focus As we saw at the end Was the clarity of the gospel message And that people got saved on the day of Pentecost That's why the Holy Spirit came to the church Thousands of people came to the Lord, all right? A few days later, they're going to the temple, Peter and John, and a man's begging. You know the story. Alms for the poor. Silver and gold, have I none? But what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Remember the song, Walking and Leaping and Praising God? If I knew the whole thing, I'd sing it for you. All right? So this, this, whole, this miracle, again, it occurs. And it's such a big thing that they throw Peter and John in jail, you know, because of this. Okay? And, and Peter and John, while they're in jail, while they're at, at court, and everyone that can hear, again, I want you to see this. Acts 4 and 10, it said, Then know this. You and all people of Israel, this is Peter, spontaneous. It is by the name of Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. And then he gives one statement that is one of the most powerful statements in the New Testament. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind where we must be saved. Powerful. And then it says, they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men and they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They realized, you know what an over overachiever is? When somebody kind of looks at you and they look what you do and they go, man, there's just no way. There, there's, there, there's no way doing something beyond what you or others, you know, or, or what others think you can do. It's overachieving, it's, be, it's being better than expected. They looked at Peter and John, they looked at Peter and John, and they came to that conclusion. Man, they're, what? These guys are unschooled because what they're seeing is way beyond what they expect. Listen, when, when I got through with high school, I was in the top 118 of my graduating class, okay? I don't like to brag about my academic career, you know? I didn't tell the board that when I was interviewing here, but I want to tell you something. You, you may be you, you may be like me. You don't have great academics or whatever, but I want to tell you the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can take you beyond what, what you think you can do. They're looking, they're going, these are unschooled men. What What are they? How are they doing? How are they? doing this because I want to say the Holy Spirit wants to use us in a supernatural way that is beyond our own natural human abilities to tell others about Jesus, okay? Way beyond, way beyond our own natural human abilities. So he gives us Something that we are not qualified to do initially. And that's tell others about Jesus. But then he gives us the power to make it happen. So Christ dying on the Passover. That was not coincidental. There was a message that was in that. The Holy Spirit Falling upon the day of Pentecost or the celebration of harvest was not coincidental. There is a message in that. He empowers us to be effective in the harvest. And listen, if we've ever needed the Holy Spirit, we need him now. We need the Holy Spirit now. The church world and you were faced with all kinds of, you know, godless influences in the world. Overrun with evil spiritual forces, godlessness on every hand, secularism and humanism. And if we ever needed to be open to the working of the Holy Spirit, it is now. I, I'm thankful for the facilities. That we have. I'm thankful for the long history. That this church has. Of of being a light to this city. I'm thankful for technology. And we will use everything we can. To let others know about Jesus. But I want you to know this morning. There is no substitute in the church. For the power of the Holy Spirit. Working in the hearts of believers. And working in the church. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need the helper. I'm telling you, as your pastor, I was 19 years old. God baptized me in the Holy Spirit. And and it was a a life-changing moment in my life. And I want to encourage you, if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, there is another work that God wants to do in your life. I believe that. Worship team, you can come. can come now listen i want to take a moment here i don't want to talk about the primary purpose of the holy spirit sharing the gospel and not just take a moment and give people that opportunity as well the ultimate human right is to know jesus and make him known and i've been talking to believers about making him known on the workplace and the purpose of the holy spirit to empower us, but I want to just take a moment to make sure that you've had the opportunity to know Jesus. You know, like all through this pandemic, I've had one word really in my heart, and I, I've mentioned it several times and I feel it very strong, and that's the word drift. It's just the word drift when it comes to, you know, when it comes to people's lives. Sometimes drift is not intentional. It's just slow kind of separation from your uh, point of reference. Jerry Whipple, he goes to the beach one day, and he gets on a float. He's just enjoying the sun, having a good time, enjoying himself. And then something unusual happened. We have a little image here I want to show you. There you go. He wakes up, hearing the horn of the Coast Guard. He had drifted a mile off from the shore, asleep. All right, and I want to tell you that can happen because drifting is not something that's intentional. It's just something that happens, you know, over a period of time if you're not careful. Sometimes you drift and you can see the point of reference. And then sometimes you drift and you're so far away you don't know how to get back you don't know how to get back drifting when it happens there's a coldness that occurs in our heart there's a distance that we sense from our own relationship with God sometimes we were we were very close and then we see this distance occur when we drift sometimes our values change and we're now doing things that we always thought were, were wrong. We look and we're not the same person that we used to be because drifting can occur, you know, over, over a period of time. What you are now is a long way from what you thought you would be, okay? And I want to tell you, I just think through the pandemic, we have to watch that. We have to watch that not having church for a long time, remote, had health issues, while we, some you know, weren't, weren't feeling comfortable connecting and being with the house of God. And I wanna tell you, you may look at your life and go, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm like Jerry, I'm a long way. I, I can't get myself back. Sometimes you can swim yourself to the shore. Then there's sometimes that you acknowledge I'm way too far. And that may be you this morning. And I want you to know in in this whole message that we've talked about winning others, you know, we want you to know, man, that as a church, we, we are a bunch of imperfect people that has found hope through the person of Jesus. That's why we come. That's why we worship together. That's why we assemble and do different ministries because that message is really important to us. And if you're here this morning, amen, you feel a sense of drift, you know? The Coast Guard's on the way, you know? It's Jesus. Nautical terms, they say mayday, mayday. That means an emergency. I can't do anything, please help. To the church, we just call it, we just call it like the sinner's prayer. And they're gonna put that, they're gonna put that up on the screen. I'm going to, just for a moment, I'm going to ask everyone to just bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe accept if you feel like you just need to pray this prayer. There's some distance between you and the Lord. You're not where you should be. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus in your life. This prayer is your mayday, mayday. I can't do it on my own. I need you, Lord Jesus, in my life. If that's you, I mean what's on your U version notes. If you're watching online, I'm speaking to you as well. They're gonna put that prayer up on online as well. And if that's you, just pray that prayer with me. Lord, I admit I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I accept your death as the penalty for my sin and recognize that your mercy and grace is a gift you offer. Because of your great love, not based on anything that I have done. Cleanse me. Make me your child. By faith, I receive you into my heart as the Son of God and as the Savior and Lord of my life. From now on, help me to live for you, with you in control. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Hey, now listen, if you prayed that, if you prayed that prayer, there's a couple of things. If you're online, man. Let, let your moderators know. I'll be in touch with you if that if that happens. If that's you here, I, I'm going to be down at the front in just a moment, okay? When we close the service, I'd love to talk to you. Go to one of our pastors. Go to guest services because we wanna we want to know about you and your new journey with Jesus, and we want to help you. We want to help you, all right? Hey, would you stand? We're going to take a moment. And we're going to pray for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Okay? We're going to pray for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It's not just because it's Pentecost Sunday. Because that's the power that we need to do the work that God has given us. Okay? So maybe, maybe you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is a moment that you can just quietly say, Lord, fill me. Just fill me. I need your presence. I need your power. For some of you, maybe maybe you need a just a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. He didn't just come in power on Pentecost. We believe that experience is still for today. And we're going to be open for the next few moments just to the, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So can we just right now, can we just begin to pray and focus, asking the Holy Spirit to fill our lives and fill our church. Can you just do that all across the building? Just say, fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me, Holy Spirit. I need your presence. I need your power. Fill me, Holy Spirit. And just pray that this morning. Just pray that this morning. I want you to really, don't be conscious of others. I want you to really focus in on the Lord. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Holy Spirit, sweet Holy Spirit, God, as you came upon those that were assembled in the upper room, fall upon us today. Dove, sweet heavenly dove, as you came upon Jesus, fall upon us today. Fall upon us today. Fall upon us today. Would you just do that? Would you just pray that? Just kind of lean in, focus. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you. We need you. Baptize us. Fill us with the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit, Brent. Come sing that out. Me up, hey, these altars are open. Fill if you want to come and pray, seek God for whatever reason. Me up, God. Sing fill that, me make that a prayer today. Make it a prayer today. Oh, God. Oh, Holy me Spirit. upon its people we thank you for the promise of Joel that there would be a day that there was an outpouring upon all flesh and Lord we stand Lord with an impossible task apart from your spirit and we as individuals and we as a church Lord we look and we pray and we welcome the Holy Spirit in our hearts this morning We welcome the Holy Spirit in this service. We welcome the Holy Spirit online to move in those that are watching today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you just stay focused right there? Would you just keep just saying, Lord, fill me. God, just fill me today. Fill me today. Lord, we pray for that sweet dove to fall upon us. As you came upon Jesus at his baptism. Lord, the gentleness of that dove, the peace that that dove represents, the purity of that dove. Let that dove descend upon us. Let that dove descend upon us. We need the Holy Spirit. Lord, we need the oil. Of the Holy Spirit that oil was a sign of God's presence and that people were set apart for a purpose Lord you say anoint us with fresh oil and we pray that presence of the Holy Spirit represented by oil that gives empowerment to our lives Lord, let us be anointed with fresh oil. Lord, your presence is referred to as water. Lord Jesus, you said, whoever believes in me shall have rivers of living water flowing within them. But this he meant the Spirit with those that believed in him were to later receive what that'll be like. It's a river of living water that's flowing out of your heart. Lord, that water that brings refreshing. That water of the Holy Spirit that represents life-giving water that quenches our spiritual thirst. Lord, let those rivers of living water let it flow into our heart. Lord, you said you would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. God, we thank you that that fire represents passion. It represents boldness. It is symbolic of the presence of God. Fire purifies. Send the Holy Spirit in fire upon us today. Lord, your spirit is represented by wind as a boat, a sailboat that sends idols. It is the wind and the sails that pushes and moves in positions. And God, I pray for a great wind, a wind of the Holy Spirit to be in our hearts today. Oh, God, we need your Spirit. We need your Holy Spirit. Fall upon us today. Rest upon us today, Lord. We need your presence, Lord. We need your presence, Lord. We need your presence, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just stay with me a few more minutes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, you, Lord. Open your heart up this morning. We need his presence. We need His presence today. Give the Lord a shout of praise this morning. Lord, we worship You. We worship You. We thank You for Your presence in Your Spirit. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. So listen, I want to say to everyone in online, hey, maybe you were one this morning, either online or here, that maybe took your steps toward Jesus and made Him the Lord of your life. man, meet one of our team come see me i'll be right down here at the front go to guest services we've got some stuff that we want to give you maybe maybe you're new to the message of the holy spirit or 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 maybe you believe something different if you want to ask me some questions about that i would i'd love to talk to you about that but i want to say man if you're praying for the holy spirit Hey, listen, keep praying, keep praying. If you were filled this morning, come and let me know. But Let me tell you, I heard about the message of the Holy Spirit at church, but I received it in a home, okay, when I was all by myself. So I want to tell you, you keep seeking, you keep hungering, you keep praying, you keep in your devotional life. I promise you it'll come. It'll come. Amen. One more time, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Lord, we worship you we worship you this morning all right so i'm releasing you this morning all of the new pastors that we have out here okay all the reverends congratulations because monday i want you to have a little different viewpoint on the job okay hey god bless you i love you thank you for listening to the generations church podcast we hope you enjoyed the message today and pray god's greatest blessings on you For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.